0: You're keeping an eye on what's going on in Ukraine and and, and we talked a bit about the troubling rhetoric yesterday and and I think it's more than rhetoric. I think that's the concern. As we said, the NATO um, Nuclear Planning Committee Uh, met yesterday, two days actually, and to put together a nuclear exercise that's going to take place, uh, following up on a Russian nuclear exercise and, I mean, just all this talk, uh, and it's interesting to see how the Allies are handling this and, and, and what they're talking about because there appears to be some division. So we're all trying to figure out where we're headed, and I don't think anybody has an answer. Uh, because of some of the central figures. But uh, a trusted voice for us and somebody who's really been a, a valuable insight on all of this is Marcus Kolga. He is the founder of disinfowatch.org and a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute Center for Advancing Canada's Interests Abroad. Marcus joins us now. Marcus, thanks for your time. I appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks very much.
0: Yeah, just taking a look at where we might be headed, and I know it's impossible to predict with any certainty, but um, how are you feeling about the state of things right now? Because there's a lot of troubling rhetoric that we're hearing.
1: Yeah, I I think a lot of Canadians and a lot of people in the Western world are probably concerned about the way that Vladimir Putin has been ratcheting up this rhetoric um, using uh, nuclear blackmail to, um, you know, quite frankly, terrify western uh, nations, Ukraine itself. Um, And the the intent of this is to hopefully extract some concessions to erode our support for Ukraine, because it's really that support that's that's allowed and enabled uh, Ukraine to succeed the way that it has in defending so much of its territory and repelling these attacks Um, you know and and further to your point about forecasting where this all might lead look there there are a few things that we do definitely know Uh, one of those things is that uh, vladimir putin's primary objective for the past 22 years that he's been in power is to consolidate that power and remain in power Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that those who support him remain in power and that they get to enjoy the benefits of all of the wealth that they've stolen from the Russian people. Um, engaging in a nuclear conflict would be utterly suicidal for Vladimir Putin. You know, the, the, the way things are going in Ukraine right now, he's, uh, you know, his power is being threatened right now by both the hawks and the doves in the Kremlin. Right. But if he were to start shooting nuclear weapons, well, I think that would change the situation very quickly, and that's not in his interest. so I think that any concerns about a you know wide, broad uh, nuclear war uh, i think it's you know it's unrealistic it's just not going to happen. Um, is it possible that he will cause a nuclear catastrophe in Ukraine by accidentally you know bombarding a nuclear plant that's possible. will he engage in other Uh, or use other weapons of mass destruction chemical biological weapons absolutely he's shown us over the past seven months that he has uh, no concerns about uh, killing ukrainian civilians on a mass scale he could not care less about uh, human life not ukrainians and not his own people either Uh, but again nuclear war is something that would be suicidal to him
0: and, uh, and that's something that he's not going to engage in anytime soon. Um, what about, and, and, and I mean, the other side of this, and I'm really glad to hear what you're saying, is the conversation, okay, but like you say, he's lost so much support domestically. He never had much uh, when it came to the international community. Uh, once he runs out of options, and he doesn't see the elusive off-ramp that we keep talking about, and he feels more and more cornered and nowhere to go, and it's all over for Putin anyway, there is no way out, then does that metric change well right now there's no way out um you know there is
1: an exit ramp for him and i think a lot of european leaders have uh clearly stated this over the past uh seven days or so and that off-ramp is is that uh his troops are pulled back to the 1991 borders of ukraine that includes crimea that is the only off-ramp right now um if we concede anything to this bully uh, he will continue in these cycles of conflict. Um, he may then continue using nuclear blackmail mm-hmm. if we now back back down. And there's no telling where he might launch one of those nuclear weapons. You know, we have a vast uh, frontier in the Arctic that could be targeted. Our other allies could be targeted you know it's just like any sort of uh schoolyard bully if you give into them into them once they're going to continue engaging in that sort of behavior because they we demonstrate to them that it works so we need to take a hard position here we need to recognize the fact that he's not going to use nuclear weapons and we need to push him back if he if we push his forces back beyond those borders 1991 borders allow ukraine to take its territory back maybe that's when he'll stop maybe that's when those uh, the security forces that are supporting him and enabling him will, uh, you know, look for a change, and maybe the Russian people themselves, hopefully. Will rise up and demand much better of their leaders than what Vladimir Putin has given them for the past 22 years.
0: Which would be fabulous to see. Uh, Given that you're saying we need to be resolute and we need to be very firm and we need to push back, are you concerned with what we're seeing uh, among some of the allied countries? Specifically, I'm thinking about France here, where uh, Emmanuel Macron actually went out on Twitter yesterday and said, We do not want a world war. After he said, Um, we would not retaliate if Russia were to use nuclear weapons, Uh, we would not respond in kind. Are we seeing cracks in the alliance and how worried are you about uh, what Macron said this week?
1: Well, I think we have to be uh, very careful about how we engage on this issue. It's completely irresponsible to make statements like that because that simply emboldens Vladimir Putin. Um, You know, I think uh, the U.S. has been very clear, um, Joe Biden has been very clear that uh, there will be a response now, uh, you know, and there are various other ways that the West can respond. Um, You know, I don't think, you know, clearly we are not going to engage in a broad uh, swap of massive nuclear weapons. You know, no one is, is interested in that. But, um, you know, to be very clear that we will wipe out all of Russia's forces inside of Ukraine, all of its ships, that are in the Black Sea right now, that's a significant response because right now Vladimir Putin's forces are failing. people yeah. you, you, there are constant reports of his soldiers uh, surrendering. Um, his equipment is not working. He no longer has the weapons. The drones that he purchased from Iran, apparently ninety percent of them were shot out of the sky. This guy is failing. And so a threat to take out all of his forces will represent An existential threat to his power if he loses all of those troops he will be removed and that is a serious concern to Vladimir Putin.
0: Um, So now we're eight months in and as you say I mean he's just seeing all the support erode within Russia Uh, how much longer do you think this will go or do you think we might be nearing an end? We're nearing an
1: end Uh, like I said his uh, his uh, defenses in southern Ukraine are currently they're collapsing uh, conscripts, the the mobilization that he engaged in was completely chaotic. Um, you know there are videos of, uh, you know, unfortunately these these rather uh, poor Russians out in in the regions, uh, completely drunk, getting onto buses. Uh, they are they have no military training. They're receiving uh, AK-47s that are completely rusted. Um, there was a video that emerged yesterday that showed um, Russian officials in a factory uh, in Russia. Uh, repairing and upgrading tank turrets from the 1960s. Um, this guy has no chance. He right. is unable to build new weapons. He's unable to repair his weapons. His uh, forces are completely demoralized. Um, it's the end. Now, how this ends is the bigger question. Um, and I think that what the West needs to be doing, instead of you know uh, engaging in this sort of uh, uh, fear mongering about uh, nuclear war and you know thinking about concessions, we need to start thinking about a world without Vladimir Putin. We need to think about what, how the rebuilding of Ukraine will look, how we're going to pay for this, how we're going to help them rebuild, and quite frankly, how we're going to ensure that Russia pays reparations and pays for the rebuilding. Of Ukraine so that we we don't have to pay for that and certainly the Ukrainians who have suffered enough that they don't have to pay for it. That's what we need to start thinking about and talking about now.
0: Yeah and there's some news about that Marcus talking about how that could be done and uh, I know you're one of the voices saying well we've seized a lot of Russian assets that's where we should start right when it comes to the rebuild?
1: Yep, absolutely Uh, in this country alone uh, there are right now uh, uh, with regards to frozen assets um, they are valued somewhere in the range of, you know, two to three billion dollars at least. Um, some of those are, are assets that are being frozen by companies owned by oligarchs. What we need to do is take those frozen assets and sell them off and repurpose those proceeds uh, to help Ukraine, whether that's to buy new weapons or to help rebuild all of those cities that have been flattened by the Russians. Yeah. Um, and we can't. We shouldn't be the only ones doing this. We need to work with our allies, whether it's in the U.S. or Europe, for them to do the same, because that's part of that process in ensuring that uh, Ukraine uh, gets what it deserves, which is which is rebuilding it and setting it back on the the course that it was on before this invasion, which was towards the West, towards
0: the European Union and NATO. Uh, Marcus, great insight as always. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time, sir. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. That's Marcus Kolga. Marcus is the founder of DisInfoWatch.org. He is a senior fellow at the McDonald laurier Institute Centre for Advancing Canadian Interests Abroad. And as he said, this rebuilding effort, a lot of people talking about that right now. The estimate from the World Bank, along with the Ukrainian government and the European Commission, is to rebuild Ukraine right now. Uh, you're looking at at least $350 billion, and it's only going to go up, right, as we continue to see more and more destruction. So uh, at this point, the U.S. Department of Justice has said that Western allies have frozen about $300 billion in Russian assets, so pretty close.